what is up everybody welcome to episode number 33 of the hustling sideways podcast i'm alan hallis i'm a music writer i'm jim love and i am a keynote and motivational speaker and it is the first time that we have been in this room in quite some time. About a month. About a month. But Owen always yells at me for giving the behind the scenes of like, you know, we messed this and whatever, but you were the one that brought it up. So yeah, yeah no, it's, been, it's been about a month. It's been a hot month. Uh, it's, I mean, literally, we were like, when was the last time we walked in here? And things have changed. So you can see us yes. right now, which is new. Uh, and that is fantastic. Alan went out and bought a TV um, <laughs> on the show's budget, but, you know, from our sponsorships and uh, the many non the many non-existing sponsorships. It's been great. So thank you. Shout out to all of our all of our non-existing sponsors and for providing us to this TV. Uh, but uh, really cool, and we get to have an opportunity to use it with a very special guest. But this is like I, I, I'm a little thrown off at first, but then I'm like I'm gonna just talk to myself in the camera and see what happens. But it's nice. <laughs> we're adding new dimensions each time. We start doing videos. Now we're gonna do where you can actually watch us and do like behind the scenes you could see alan do his like chair swivel yep. you can every see episode. him be like Dude, just like shut up like cut it off like, yeah. every time yeah <laughs> typically when i get outrageous but it's great yeah put it this way the last time that we uploaded an episode we uploaded a video um this morning mm-hmm. and we you had a winter hat on <laughs> I did, yeah. and now i'm wearing <laughs> that's how far we've come things have you know. changed milwaukee is now uh, i think it's 78 degrees as we sit here yes and, uh, and the sun stays hotter past 5 30 p.m so yes and there's a snowstorm on thursday there's so a snowstorm there's, on thursday we're gonna be good too. yeah that's gotta love this place but um <laughs> but yeah we're excited ellen and i are both summer guys we're uh i'm, I'm well i should i, I no, i'm assuming you're a summer guy, a summer guy. yeah yes. and we're really pumped to get into it but um without further ado we have an actual episode to get into and yes. we're just really excited for it so i want to welcome <laughs> on um a gentleman who i actually just was connected with very recently by one of our uh last two podcast podcast guests trying to say that a couple times but uh larry kaufman and this is peter velarde and peter is the ceo of refer me iq and he's also a private equity investor so uh peter welcome to i'm sorry private equity consultant is what i meant to say uh, i don't know why i said investor that was not it uh welcome to hustling sideways and this is your applause button that yeah, we haven't got yeah. oh well thank you thank you great to be here with you guys Great to be here on your first kind of video thing. It's great to see you guys. I like your movement. I like the tone of the whole thing. Uh, very happy to be here. And uh, yes, I also invest in private equity. So you were correct. Um, so we go. so no, no big deal at all. And it's uh, uh, very nice to be with you both tonight and your audience. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Peter, where are you calling us from today? I'm in Midtown Atlanta. All right. Wow. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so is, that high- is that another state to the list that we've no Erica Needleman was from Atlanta? Okay. So you're yes, a second you're yeah. a second person from Atlanta. So uh, ah, hot, yes. hot Atlanta as they call it. Yes. It's, 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 it's warm. It it's uh 85 <laughs> today. And uh unlike the northeast and the north, you know, once we get into our weather, it kind of stays there. Uh, <laughs> I am a northeast transplant, so I can appreciate that it uh, it takes a few starts and stops to get you guys into that warm streak, which you guys seem to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. We enjoy it sometimes too much, but yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, yeah. Hotlanta was a thing that she said a lot and it was really funny. So I'm, I can mm. see where that comes from, but uh, Peter, tell us a little bit about um, you know, sort of where your career is at right now, a little bit of your journey, maybe your family, uh, a couple, a couple facts about you as we, as we, uh, as we jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So let's say I um, was born in Columbus, Ohio. So I kind of started with those Midwest values that you guys know so well. Uh, then really grew up in Westport, Connecticut. Uh, my dad at that point went from being kind of the office boy to a company to being a sales guy. Uh, and we moved to Connecticut and uh, we grew up there. 
<clears throat> and uh, lived there for quite some time. And at that point, it was this little farm town that uh, kind of grew up to be this bedroom community of New York. And I saw success all over, big homes and boats and people that came from nothing to, to everything, uh, or so I would thought. So I, I very early on uh, was fascinated with people, success, uh, cause and effect, you know, the point that I used to fish a lot and I used to uh, stop off in the backyards of some of these big homes, whether it was a trout stream or on the uh, sound where I'd fish for striped bass and bluefish. And, uh, and I'd meet some of the people who own these homes and I'd actually interview them because I was fascinated with it. The same time while all that was going on, uh, long story short, I kind of watched my dad go from uh, sweeping floors while going to NYU in New York to becoming salesman, sales manager. Um, and he was with the same company and retired uh, in 45 years with the same company going kind of the corporate route, uh, a firm called VF or Vanity Fair Mills, uh, which was uh, women's intimate apparel. Um, so my, my dad used to always joke that uh, he spent his career with the, his hands in ladies underwear, uh, which was <laughs> truth because that's what he did. One of the things that fascinated me back then was my first fashion show when I was eight years old in New York, which was uh, eye-opening to say the least as a kid. Imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so, so that, so my upbringing was really around great family values, uh, achievement, not quite knowing what caused it, not quite knowing who was happy, who wasn't happy, but I was just fascinated and kind of a student of success and leadership. Um, decided to piece that together eventually and go to Boston University School of Business, really pretty possessed to become a consultant for McKinsey. I kind of liked the idea of being a problem solver and being a consultant. Um, right out of college, I decided to sell life insurance for two years, kind of school of hard knocks. I planned to pay for my MBA, my PhD, and go on to become this consultant at McKinsey. Uh, lo and behold, that's not what I did, which is often the case, as I'm sure your listeners know. Um, and I fell in love, which was back then the financial advisory planning industry, which was just beginning to take off. The whole idea of wealth management going into financial advisory. Um, so I looked for a company that did that. I found a sleepy company out of Minneapolis, not too far from you guys, called IDS, was bought by American Express became Ameriprise Financial, <clears throat> and I built a career there um, 25 years. And uh, that, that was a great run. I started out as a financial advisor, loved doing that. Uh, but I got turned on by two things. I got turned on first by leadership. I, I love to make a difference, and I can tell some stories as to why. But I, I found that I could make a difference in the lives of 300 clients, which was great or I could make a difference in the lives of 300 clients times 10 advisors, times 100 advisors, times thousands of advisors. So um, I felt like I could just make more of a difference that way and enjoyed leading people. So I kind of moved up the food chain. I always um, liked the fact that it felt very entrepreneurial most of the time where I can kind of build my businesses within a business. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's what I did. I kind of viewed Ameriprise back then to be my private equity company funding my teams and my companies within a business. Mm -hmm. So I would go to my boss at the time and I'd say things like, um, what would it take for me to build an organization 
in your organization bigger than yours? And then what could that look like? And could you help me do that? Would that be good for you? And would it be good for the company? So I did that uh, last 10 years. I was a senior VP, ran all of our national distribution, 5,000 plus advisors. Uh, at the same time, I was super passionate around not making cold calls because I had done so much of that. And uh, so I, I just was really grateful to have met like the guru of the industry around referrals, you know, the mindset, what to say, how to say it, systems, the whole thing. So I said, hey, can I split business with you for two years uh, until you teach me what you know? And it only took a year. And so I became like the, the referral guy. So, so my, my gig was really just, okay, if you can lead people and influence behavior and recruit and train and hire and develop the right people, that was great. And then if I could teach them to do it through referrals, instead of making a thousand cold calls a day, you can teach them to make five cold calls a week or five calls a week because they're working on referrals. Mm -hmm. So my, my gig was really what I used to tell people, I don't want to just hire you and train you to, to make a lot of money and have a good business. I, I want to train you to have a great life because that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you have a great life. So I did that and enjoyed uh, a lot of success doing that, enjoyed the job a lot. Um, 25 years there doing it. And then it began to feel like I'm sure other groups, it became uh, a really big business and it was great that it did. <clears throat> but I, I, I was really itching to kind of start my own thing and do my exercise of my entrepreneurial muscles. So I retired from that world, guys, 15 years ago to do just that. So I did private equity and M&A consulting, leadership consulting. I kind of learned quickly that uh, small and medium-sized companies were constrained by two things. One was capital and the other was leadership. And mm -hmm. so if I could help them solve for those two things, good things would happen. I got paid on uh, equity in their companies. So I was able to kind of ride the tide with them. Uh, you know, I kind of put my comp on the line saying, I don't need the cash flow, but I want to participate in your success if I can play a small role in it, experience some liquidation events with some, some of my best friends, some of my, uh, you know, colleagues from the past that also did what I was doing. It was a blast. And then about uh, five or six year, you know, years ago, I'm helping other people build their businesses and participate in it. You know, I said, you know what, I'd like to kind of do that myself. And so I said, what space do I want to maybe jump in and exploit? And um, I said, hey, how about referrals? Has anybody created any technology that makes it easy for people to get referrals? Yeah. So that's what I did. And that that's really what this whole thing is based on at Refer Me IQ is the simple idea that everybody wants to build a referral based business. Right. And, yeah. and for good, you know, and we all know why. Right. We know it's the number one way consumers want to learn about us. Um, it's the best lead source by 400% for a business. Um, and more importantly, everybody wants to make a difference by referring people to great resources. Mm -hmm. It's part of what we all love to do as humans. So I so, said, well, what's the problem when 91% would refer if asked, but less than 10% of producers, salespeople, CPAs, attorneys, financial advisors, insurance agents, less than 10% even have a system to ask. So I learned that it's just hard. It was hard for us to train people to do it. Um, and it's hard for a business to do it. It takes emotional competence, takes skill. We all have this baggage that, that, that makes us human and holds us back from doing it. And I said, well, does anybody create a technology to make that easier? Nobody had, nobody took a behavioral approach. 
So we created a company that basically solves the problem for the first time at the cause and actually conducts the behaviors that humans should, but we can't always do, can't get ourselves to do. And so that's been really, really fun. <clears throat> and we built a nice business taking care of small business owners, uh, insurance agents, financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys. Uh, lastly, while doing all of that, uh, a lot of the financial advisors that myself and my three partners in a private equity consulting firm came to us and said, while you're helping us with our referral system, <clears throat> you know, we were in the last third of our career. Can you help us find the best strategic partner with an acquisition with private equity to help kind of take out and de-risk our practice? So the demand was so high, we started a little company called JPTD Partners. Uh, and that's been really fun because each of those two businesses complement each other. A lot of our partners and advisors become referral clients for Farm IQ and vice versa. And it just gives me another outlet uh, to make a difference in the lives of people that, that I've helped them build a great career. So it's very satisfying on both ends. And uh, other than that, uh, we live in Atlanta, uh, married 32 years as of Thursday, uh, three great, thank you, three great adult kids, uh, two of which live in this area, one's out in you, uh, you, you, Utah living the dream out there. Uh, we split our time between our lake house and our north and city life and cement life here. Um, and, uh, and, and I've got way too many hobbies and passions to even list. So uh, that, <laughs> nice. that's me in a 10 minute nutshell, guys. Like nice. So the one thing that I noticed that is the common thread through everything that you've kind of described about your career and, you know, is, is create. It seems like no matter what you are, you are creating something, whether it's within your own business to, or within a larger business to kind of create your own team and make that your business, um, or obviously creating, you know, different opportunities for yourself and, and for, you know, to eventually create this company. Do you feel like you're kind of at your freest when you're able to really just go out and create your own thing, even if it's working for someone else at, at the time? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And you're so right, Alan, because when I look back on my career, the times when I felt in control to create um, is when I've always been the happiest. And frankly, the last few years working for a big Fortune 5 company, um, I felt less that way. And that was my sign to get out. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I've, I, I've always believed in, you know, this no entitlement mindset. That, that anything I have or get or get to participate in in life, I must first create. Um, so, so I've always tried to put myself in a position and advise others to be in a position, whether you're in a big company, small company, your own company, it doesn't make a difference. You can feel and be entrepreneurial anywhere you are, mm -hmm. um, but you've got to feel like you can cause the effects and the outcomes you want. And so creation is always the way to do it. Let's create a company, um, create a system, create a software, create synergies, create a network, whatever it is, you know, you have to create it because once you do, um, you know, you get to make more of a difference that way. And that's, what's important to me. So absolutely. That's yeah. great. Uh, so I know, I, I know you mentioned, you know, your, how much you uh, are passionate about leadership and I, I am too. And, and some, I'm always curious folks that, you know, have a passion about that type of, of topic. Was there like a couple of, of, of moments in your life, either negative or positive that, that were leadership based where you're like, okay, this is really what I don't want to do, or this is really how I do want to operate. Cause I can, I have some in my mind of like negative, 
know, experiences leadership that made me more passionate about it to be like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to be the opposite of that guy. I want to be better. Or did you have someone like a mentor that was really, really, you know, uh, motivated you and gave you some tangible ways to be a better leader? Or how did that, how did that, uh, that leadership passion begin for you? Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent question. Um, and to me, the most powerful leadership lessons are on both sides of that, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so on the positive side, I was very fortunate to have a dad that was a great leader. So um, so he, he was just great to observe in terms of how he influenced the family, uh, community, friends, the company, going from you know, an office boy that uh, you know, was hired to sweep, sweep the floors of the company and he got the job because my grandmother made him wear a suit for a streak, you know, for a guy who sweeps floors. And then he, he, he actually retired the CEO of the company. So to kind of watch that whole thing happen um, and hear the stories and, 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 and hear what he did and the, and the adversity he faced and the influence and the complexity and the layering uh, to observe that firsthand as somebody who was fascinated with success and leadership was about as good as it gets, guys. So, um, so, so I was very fortunate to be exposed to that. I was also, uh, especially back in the early, you know, IDS, American Express, and Ameriprise days, I was exposed to some phenomenal leadership mm-hmm. um, with models and systems and philosophies and values. And it was, um, again, it was like me being a kid in a candy store. Um, so, and we had these amazing conferences with, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world and all the speakers and, you know, there's a hundred of them. And I used to buy their tapes and listen to them in my car. So I was just fascinated with just consuming knowledge and information. But then um, what I learned quickly is how overwhelming that was. It's like trying to take a drink from a fire hose. So then what I began to do um, was to, I kept saying to myself, is there a way to create systems, you know, CDs back in the day, where in any leadership situation, there's a model, there's, there's a system that you can plug into your head, and just do it and see really good outcomes. So, so I became a student of all of those things, uh, you know, whether it was sales or leadership or anything else. So, so yes, on the positive end, great role models, um, great systems. You know, I had to have the appetite to learn it. I had every cassette tape series, uh, eight tracks back in the day, um, CDs after that, that I'd plug in cars and do that stuff. But your other point is just as good, Jim, and that is I learned as much from from the bad leaders, from the ineffective leaders, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even more. And I had a good handful of those uh, that that led me or I, I observed and I and I saw you know, the impact, negative impact on people's lives, on entities, on the community. And all that led to kind of a breakthrough at some point in that path. I can't pinpoint exactly when it was, but I'd say it was in the first third of my career where somebody gave a speech. um, And I think I would would credit this to a guy named Doug Lenick out of Minneapolis, um, who, who ran our field force back then. He said something that just absolutely blew me away. He said, he said, let, you know, let me ask you a question. Is, is what we do in life, is what we observe in others affect what we think about and what we do about what we think about? And the answer is sure. What we observe in others, what they say, what they do, um, it does impact our mindset. It does impact our actions. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. No yeah, right. And so then question two is, and if that's true, 
Um, is that person influencing us, whether they're conscious of it or we're conscious of it? And the answer is yes. And then mm -hmm. he would say, well, if we define leadership as influence, good or bad, right, then wouldn't it be better to be good at it? So if you're intentional about it, and if you intend to make a positive difference in people's lives, which I believe most people do, and if they do, there's a reason. Um, if you intend to have positive influence, then wouldn't it make sense to become better at it and learn how to do it? Yeah. Um, and so then I said, wow, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I'm not just going to be anointed to lead all these people. I had, you know, close to 10,000 people in my organization at some point. It's like, you know, I've got this massive responsibility to do the right thing, teach them the right thing and to help them have great lives. You know, I might as well get good at it. And that's when I became even more committed to be a student. And then a big part of what, he, what I did in that organization and then as a consultant was leadership development because I learned that it does matter. You can invest in leaders. It's about selection, selecting the right ones, but then there's a lot you can develop in people to help them build those influencing skills, whether it was a financial advisor influencing a client to make good choices about their money or somebody who led a team um, to influence their team in, in, in the best way. And you can't do that unless you're constantly trying to improve yourself. So, mm -hmm. so I, I am as much today still a student. I mean, my appetite, guys, for podcasts like yours is insane. I listen to podcasts all the time. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, my wife and I go back and forth to the lake house. There's always a podcast on one way there, whether it's health, biohacking, leadership, money, um, anything. So, so yeah, I've, I've, I've really, um, seen both sides of it and, um, would prefer to be decent at it than not to be. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. Like I, I, I love that, you know, like, you know, leaders have influence, everyone has influence. And so we're all called to be, I think oftentimes people have leadership in their head as like, you have to be the top dog, you know, you have to be like ahead of something and leadership is culture, you know, and it's, it's the, it's a cube next to you. And it's the way yeah. that people treat each other. And I, and that's like, I, I lead a team now. And um, I, I think there's like this sense of like, you know, I just kind of give them acceptance to, to do their thing. Like, I'm not like, we're a team, you know, I know I'm, I'm obviously, you know, you report to me, but like, I'm not going to sit here and demand things from you. Like, let's do it together. Let's learn together. And, and I think people feel that, that creativity and that freedom to, to go and, and, you know, and, and grow. And, and it's really, it's just, there's like small things to do, not even like a large thing, but a very small, like, yeah. like one way to say it versus another way. But I, I know you're going to say Absolutely. Something. Yeah. Um, well, I, a couple things is mm -hmm. one, I, I very much relate to, you know, Peter's story of like relating to or learning from not only, you know, just your work environment, mm -hmm. but everything in general, yep. you kind of absorb a little <laughs> bit here and there. I'm a podcast junkie too, as well. Um, but <laughs> I do pick up, you know, things from that world, from, from hearing around them. But I also pick up from just like you said, the good leaders as well as the bad leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that, you know, if you can recognize when, something is going wrong, maybe for you as an employee, or you as a maybe, you know, um, or you can see that somebody that you're leading something is they're reacting negative to lead to it. If you can make that change and recognize that, mm -hmm. like the world is yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because right. there's so much to like, saying, okay, well, this doesn't work for me, you know, in your main job, let's mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. you say this doesn't work for me. And you know, that it doesn't work for you. And you know that or you know that there are other coworkers or somebody that's that's upset by or just it just doesn't work for them, mm -hmm. right? If you can recognize that and then say, well, now I'm in that position of leadership 
and say, well, what about that didn't they like? Mm-hmm. And change around that, immediately you're going to connect with that person yeah. better. Yeah. Because they, you realize right. what the one thing is that they did wrong, you know, that that person did wrong, mm-hmm. that just rubbed you the wrong way or wasn't the way that you work or whatever. So being able to change that and see that and make those changes, I think it's huge. Yeah. Um, speaking of, though, we should we should move on to, you know, kind <laughs> of what you're doing now as well uh, with Refer Me IQ. Um, so, Peter, how did this kind of get started and did it come out of uh, a bad leader and saying, OK, we got to change from that? <laughs> Yeah, thank, thanks for asking that. I, I do want to come back to what you said, though, real quick, though, if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's two things that jumped out when I just heard you guys talk. One is, well, well, why leadership? Why should people choose to lead to begin with, right? And like you said, it's not like this hierarchy of you're the boss and that's why you should do it. Um, and I've always thought about two things. One is for anybody that wants to make a difference and get leverage in making a difference, you almost have to choose leadership, right? You have to work through others to get any kind of a scale, whether it's Refer Me IQ, which I, I promise I'll get to in a second. Um, so, so, but the other is not just to make a difference. It's also because it's so hard to do well that leadership is scarce. Great leadership is scarce, which means that if there's always a demand for great leadership and yet the supply is limited always, then people that can do it well simply out earn and out wealth the people that don't. Mm-hmm. So there's a magnificent reason to get involved, but if you can become decent at it and even above average at it, there's all sorts of rewards of that you feel great, you made a difference, but also that. And then to your both your point, you know, leadership is so misunderstood, right? It's not like you do this and why, right? Um, in fact, the three things that I always think about, and, and you guys probably do it naturally, I can almost tell, is that when I say there's a leadership opportunity, what going, goes through my mind, do I lead, do I follow, or do I get out of the way? And right. all three of those are leadership, right? It's not just the lead piece. There's certain times when the best influence you could have is literally to get out of the way. That's especially true of like A players. It's like, let them run, you know, get stuff out of their way, but get out of the way. You know, you can do more harm sometimes than do good. Exactly. I I have a small saying, leaders follow leaders. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and if we need to do that, that's, that's, that's the way that's what, you know, you have to go with contextually what's appropriate in the situation and good leaders recognize that. I I totally agree. Exactly. And, and, and the way Alan that led that same kind of concept led to refer for me IQ is, 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 is I've always looked for, I've always looked to zig when everybody else zags. So mm-hmm. I've always looked to exploit kind of, you know, the old Gretzky where the puck is going, not where thing, things are at now. So um, part of why I got in leadership is that there was a massive void. You know, back in the day, nobody wanted to lead because you can make so much by being a producer. So it was like, gosh, this is big demand for somebody to lead at Ameriprise. There wasn't a lot of people back in the day doing it. And the people that did it weren't really that great. So it was an exploitable opportunity. I said, if I can become decent at this, I can make a difference and do it. Well, I found the same thing to be true of the whole referral space. Because I said, has anybody created technology to help solve the referral problem? And there was lots of so-called technology out there. But when I peeled away the onion, it was all about things that didn't matter. It was about things like build a community and let people connect naturally. Well, people don't do that. They don't connect naturally. Mm -hmm. Something has to prop 
to, to actually be a catalyst to make that happen. Uh, there's also all this content stuff where people put out all sorts of content and with, with really good messaging to a bunch of strangers hoping they raise their hand and lead to referrals, that didn't work. So you know what I saw in the marketplace was a lot of overwhelming technology that nobody really used or all these big CRMs that tried to say they were referral platforms, but they really weren't. And most people were overwhelmed by them because they were so big. So I said, nobody's created, you know, I looked at the space and I didn't want to say it too loud, but nobody had created like an assassin piece of technology that did five things. One is it actually asked all the relationships that people have for referrals in an authentic, personal way using technology. The number one way people want to learn about you and me or any business today, number one is email, believe it or not. And number two is text. Face-to-face -face is way down on the list. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, when people don't have skill, a face-to-face -face ask for referral deteriorates into this kind of you know, awkward exchange between two people. It's like, you know, if you think you might know somebody, Alan, perhaps you can introduce me if you're okay with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and so the first behavior that has to happen is we have to, we have all these relationships. You spend a life and a career to build these relationships, clients, your network, people you've marketed to, but haven't converted clients. How do we make sure that something is asking for them for referrals, personal, authentic way, consistently over time? So we can check off that box, right? Just like we have these, I'm sure you guys know a lot of people that you wish you had been more in touch with, but you feel guilty because you haven't been, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, if you were, if we all had a coffee meeting with 100% of our network and people we care about, who care about us, we wouldn't need to do anything else in our businesses. That's all we'd have to do. But we don't do that because we don't extend ourselves and have a system to do it. So first, we've got to ask people consistently for referrals. Second is we have to motivate them and send them to refer. People will refer 50% more people if there's an incentive built in there in some way. Mm -hmm. If we do those two things and get a referral, the third thing I think is the hardest. The third thing is that we've got to help that person make a proper introduction to transfer the trust. So Jim, if you refer Alan to me, um, at best, what goes on there, I may say, Jim, you know, when you see Alan at the music studio some night, you know, can you say some nice things about me? Right. And, and, and you say yes, just like you did. Right. But then you go to the music studio and the last thing on your mind is introducing me. You want to do what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you don't do it. And then the problem becomes the fourth thing is that if I can, if I can facilitate a good introduction and Alan's my referral, I've got to get Alan interested in me and my business before I call him. Because the reality is nobody does that. Mostly I call Alan, Alan, this is Peter Velarde from blah, 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 you know, company. Who are you? Oh, I, I was referred to you by Jim. He's a really good guy. Yeah, he is. But what's this all about? And it feels, this is what the conversation feels like. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I want is the opposite. I want Alan to know enough about me. I want Alan to have taken a quiz about my business and about his needs so that he wants me to contact him before I contact him. So the five behaviors are ask, incent, transfer the trust, get the referral interested prior to a contact. And then the fifth is to create a system where once Alan raises his hand and says, please contact me for a meeting, I've got to create a conversion path for Alan to become a really good client. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I said, that, that's it. Those are the five things that have to happen. 
Is any technology solving that? No. So that's what we created. And so we created a technology. We created an MVP to start with, tried it out with financial advisors. It worked, expanded to insurance agents, sales reps, small business owners, attorneys, CPAs, and so on and so on. And we keep um, every quarter we do a new release to upgrade it um, with the feedback from our users. And we're just having a blast. We work with, um, we work with one person, one user of, of, of our software up to big organizations that have hundreds, if not thousands that want or use our software. So that's, that's kind of what happened. It was just a void in the marketplace. We came in, we integrate with all the software up there, but we're the one that people actually use because mm -hmm. it's totally set and forget. Once they come in and set up the system, we either do it all for them or it can take an hour if you do it yourself. Once that happens, it's all set and forget. So it doesn't take a lot of time. We just make it super easy for everybody. And then last thing I'll say is um, like Larry, who's a gem of a guy, mm -hmm. um, Larry has referred me to a bunch of people and, and man, does he do it right? He takes yeah. the time, you know, and it's like, but it does take time. So if, if you were to refer me to Alan, Jim, um, it might take you 15 minutes to do it right. Maybe a half an hour, right? You got to get, you know, the, you know, the email address says, Alan, meet Velarde, Velarde, meet Alan. Velarde is a good guy. Here's why. Alan's a good guy. Here's why. Here's what Alan does. Here's what Velarde does. This is why I think you guys should get together. And that's times one, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a hassle. Instead, with Reforming Q, all Larry would have to do is put Alan's first name, last name, and email address push a button and an email will go directly from him to Alan properly introducing me with a link to the assets I want him to see with a quiz for him to take that will, when he takes the quiz, he'll basically say, I need this guy, Velarde. Larry transferred the trust, please contact me. And so that that didn't exist and that's what we built. Yeah, that's very that's cool. Really, and it's, yeah. I mean, just the idea of taking that from, from thought to, you know what I mean? Going live with it. I'm sure there's a lot there. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of pushback that you had from people initially saying, well, what is this? You know, is this LinkedIn? Is this, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. is this some other referring? I actually don't know a ton of referring sites. <laughs> Just roll with LinkedIn. Oh, but good. you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure people were like, okay. But then the, at, the more you explain it, I was thinking about, we've done a bonus episode previously on networking mm -hmm. and how when you talk, uh, you know, when you you go into a networking event, you just kind of assume like there's this very cold, awkward exchange of like, always. so what do you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where you yeah, just kind yeah. of, you talk to somebody, but you guys both have end goals in mind. You mm -hmm. both have business end goals in mind. How is this person going to help me? How can I help this person, et cetera? And many times it's one-sided and it's really, what is this person going to do for me? Yeah. So this sounds like this is more of a, like we can create something mutual here that's going to benefit both of you and you're going to know each other I'm much on a much better level mm -hmm. than just simply, Hey, here's this person. We talked for five minutes over coffee and then we went on yeah. to the next person in the cycle kind of thing. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head, Alan, with all of that. And you know, the, what, what, what makes us interesting is exactly what you said. You've got all these humans running around the world, trying to connect with each other, trying to find ways of helping each other but there aren't really great systems. LinkedIn is fantastic and you could play in that, in that system. But what, what always struck me is this, this kind of 
two ponds we can all fish in, right? Uh, and, and I love to fish, so, so I always use fishing analogies, but um, we could fish in the stranger pond and do all the stuff that companies spend millions on, right? We can do all the outreach content, email campaigns, all this stuff to a bunch of strangers, hoping that some percentage of them open it, click on it, and, and go down the path to conversion, right? And we can spend X amount per lead on doing that at tremendous time, energy, and cost. Or we can fish in the relationship pond where we already are credible. We are already have a personal introduction. If you know 300 people and each of those 300 people know 300 people in their network, that's 90,000 people, just one introduction away that you just need a system to make those connections. So it's so much easier than what we used to do if you have a system. Mm -hmm. And even like your networking event, it's like today, you know, the whole, the, the whole thing, and we can extend the awkwardness to be, even when you get a business card from each other, right? If you happen to have one, right? You get the card, you know, do you want me to call you? Should I call you? And you kind of leave and you have like these piles of cards from these events and you're like, now, what do I do? Do I send them an email? Do I text them? What the heck do I do? Hey, you go, right? Yeah, I, I have a whole yeah. drawer behind me in this bag. I've got, I think I've got a thousand cards, yeah. right? There's an ace of spades in there somewhere. Right? Right. Yeah, 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 there's an ace of spades. There's a joker in there, yeah. right? He's like, you know, you know, I want to get out. But like in our system, all, all you have to do is say, hey, I don't want to take much of your time, Alan. Uh, can I just have your first name, last name, and email address? And, and, you, and you put that into your refer from your IQ on your smartphone. And then you go back to your office and you'll enter a campaign automatically pre-designed to drip on you every two weeks or month. And the first one might be, it was great to meet you at the X event. Um, you know, and it's already pre-sequenced. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything else. That's an example of networking improved to do things like that for sure. I, yeah. I have to imagine, I know that you had mentioned, you know, when you first started uh, about like how you really, you're really gratified by making an impact you know, on a lot of people and, and spreading mm -hmm. that impact. And, um, and just based on like the sheer numbers of, of, of how quickly this technology can work and how many people can potentially be linked together that can help each other. That has to be a really gratifying thing for you just to like watch all of that happen and know that the, the thing that you made can potentially be connecting people together for something of value to both of them. Like that's, that's the biggest takeaway I have of, of like, I, I could just, I, I could, you know, I'm sure it's a passion project for you and all of those experiences led up to this being a thing that, that by you creating it and you using, you know, the, the freedom that you had to do that, now people are utilizing it to better their lives and, 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 uh, and to make more authentic and personal connections that will help both of them. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's it. I, that's, I gotta imagine that's like the dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. And, and we just wanna do more and more of it. We want, mm -hmm. we want like everybody to use our software. We want millions of people to use our software because all it really does, you know, when it comes down to is it connects to you, humans to make a difference in each other's lives, whether it's something you're trying to sell and somebody buy or a network where you're trying to figure out how can I help you? How can you help me? But it's, you know, today more than ever, people are just struggling with so much noise out there. People are struggling more than ever to connect with other people. You know, we are better off today uh, than we ever have been. And yet happiness is at an all time low. Mm -hmm. And then you take what's gone on the last two years with COVID and there's such a, a universal need for people to connect. Just think how great you feel when you connect somebody, a friend or family or colleague to a great resource and they thank you for it. Great mm -hmm. restaurant, you know, great car dealer. I've got this 
great mechanic that works on my car. I've got this oldie but goodie car, this this hot, you know, this the sports car. Um, and um, I've got this like genius guy that knows my car, knows cars like it. And he's he's like one of a kind in the world. It's like the other guys told me that the parts didn't exist. He found me a place that would rebuild my part for a fraction of the cost. So, you know, you can't imagine how valuable this guy is. Well, yeah. I, I turned him on to a really good friend of mine that owns a car like mine, where we used to live. And the guy was so grateful. He's like, thank you. I've been looking for the man in this. And it's like, so, you know, I didn't make anything doing it. I don't need to make anything. It just felt really good to make that connection. I think most people that I know were like that. I think you guys are like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does feel good. I mean, I could think of now, like people, if I'm like, you know, if I'm in a room, it's like, okay, that person needs to know that person like but like just knowing what oh, yeah. passions are interests are and then i i do know. this all the time with people where i'm like yeah. you know i'll i'll be listening to somebody and let's say in the music space mm-hmm. i'm at a, a show and somebody says yeah i really wish that i had someone to do our show flyers and i and i know artists and i'm like you should get in touch with this person this you should know because you guys it. are kind of doing something that would serve each other yeah or like recently i actually had an artist that was like hey i just need an event space i was like I know somebody that has the exact event space that would be perfect for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is power in that. And then you do feel, yeah, like yeah. after that's done, you're like, okay, well, I made that happen. Yeah. You know, that was good. I just, I go for a walk. I'm like, that was great. No, but yeah. I, I actually think of the Ted Lasso quote when he, when he introduces people together, congratulations, you just met an awesome person. Like, like <laughs> yes, that's, that's, a, that's like my favorite. Uh, yeah. He, like, he's like, so he, good I, in that, isn't he? Oh, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can do great, a whole other podcast about that show. <laughs> Absolutely love that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, well, this has been great, but uh, yeah. if people want to know more about, you know, Refer IQ and what what's kind of the next steps, where are you kind of taking things from here? What's your what's your plans? Yeah, it's really expanding into other markets, uh, expanding the use cases, getting more and more success stories out there so people can kind of see the light. Uh, the best way to learn about us is to go right to our website. Um, and it's refermeiq.com. A couple of cool things that they can do. If you go up to the top nav um, under tools and resources, there's a great quiz. We call it the Refer Me quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, it occurred to me about a year and a half ago that most people don't even have a baseline of, of how referable they even are as a business and whether what they're doing will lead to both producing referrals, but then converting them to ideal clients. So we actually uh, created a quiz, a survey that takes less than two minutes that somebody can take and get a score. And if they score well, great. If they don't score well, there's a link to get in our life or to, to actually meet with one of our people for a demo to see how the software works in 15 minutes to see if it might be useful to them. So that, that that's a great thing to do. We we do everything through education. So there's tons of white papers on there, tons of things. Uh, but if you just go to the website and play around, you'll be able to see, you know, to me, there isn't anything that's right for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I we spent a lot of time talking about if this is you, you should beat down our doors to do this. If this isn't you, then you shouldn't. And, uh, you know, to me, it's really just three things. The first is that you need to care enough about yourself and about others 
that, that, that you actually want to play in the referral game because some people don't. You know, some people just want to stay in their own world and, and that's all they want to do. They don't really want to unleash people to make a difference in other people's lives. So you've got to kind of be the type of person that cares about this. I know you guys do. Larry's that guy. Most people are that I find, but that's one. Second is you have to have enough experience in your business to have built some relationships. You know, I tell people, you know, have at least 500 people that are your clients, network, uh, marketing contacts, where you've got a good email address for, and maybe cell phone because it works in text as well. Um, but you need at least some critical mass. It's not for the person who is right out of college, um, you know, knows three friends of the parents and that's about it. Um, and you get your friends in, in school that, you know, are just trying to do the same thing you're doing. It's really for somebody who ha has a business. And then the third thing is, you know, we can't get blood out of a rock. So a business needs to be reasonably referable. So mm -hmm. if you're referable, you've got a little critical mass of, of, of good relationships that trust you, you trust them. And if you care about yourself enough to invest in yourself and care enough about others to help them do that as well, uh, then, then this thing is a home run for that kind of person. Awesome. 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 Great breakdown. Well, this has been great, Peter. We really appreciate your time and, and um, just a great conversation. I took away a ton. I know leadership development is like, my, you know, that's what I speak on. It's one of my favorite things. So I, I always enjoy hearing that perspective. And um, yeah, we just, we, we really were, we're grateful for it and excited to check it out and hope that people, uh, you know, connect with you. And yeah. Um, and what happens if they want to hear more about this podcast? <laughs> well, Jim, I'm glad you asked. Uh, if they want to hear more about this podcast, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, you can find us wherever you download your podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We are all over the place at Hustling Sideways. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, Hustling Sideways. We're all over the place there mm -hmm. as well. And that uh, if you have a side hustle of your own and you do want to get in touch with us, you can do that. Uh, send us an email, hustling sideways at gmail.com. We check it. We, we do. We do. We check we check check even, even the spam. We yeah. even check the spam. Yes. So mm -hmm. if you do have, a, if you want to be on the show, uh, hustling sideways at gmail.com. And Jim, keep on hustling. We'll see you next time.